Please be seated. Uh, in the movie, What About Bob, the main character, Bob Wiley, a man with so many fears he can barely leave his New York apartment, tracks down his psychiatrist who is vacationing in a little town in New Hampshire. And when Bob finds him, <coughs> the psychiatrist tells Bob to go back to New York. But Bob says, I need, I need, I need, I need. He's a pest. He won't shut up. He won't go away. Well, I thought of Bob Wiley when I read the second part of today's gospel text from Luke. Jesus says to his disciples, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. And whoever knocks, for them, the door will be opened. I need, I need, I need. These words about asking, seeking, knocking, are in response to a request from Jesus' disciples. Teach us to pray, they said to him. And so he gives them a simple prayer. It is the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus then talks about persistence in prayer, what might be called pestering prayer. He compares God to a father who would never give his children a snake if they asked for a fish, or a scorpion if they asked for an egg. Classic rabbinic humor. At first glance, it would seem that this prayer is about asking and getting, nothing more. Whatever you want, you can have. Whatever you need, pray for it, and you'll get it, guaranteed. Has that been your experience with prayer? Give me this. Give me that. God is a vending machine and prayer is a fistful of quarters. Just ask and you'll get whatever you want. Seek and you'll find what you're looking for. Knock loud enough, make enough noise, and someone will let you in. God will take your orders and deliver them to your door. Persistence is the key. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. In Luke 18, Jesus tells the story of a judge who is pestered by a widow until she gets what she wants. She wears him out. So just to get rid of her, the judge gives her what she wants. 
And then Jesus asks this question. Will not God quickly give justice to those who cry out to him day and night? Will not God quickly give justice to those who cry out to him day and night? Look at our world. Look at our world. So much pain. So much injustice. If things don't turn out the way you want, it's because you're not praying hard enough. Or you're not praying long enough. Or you're not praying often enough. Now, if I ended the sermon here, you would all leave and feel really bad, right? Is this really what Jesus is talking about? If so, it's a setup for disappointment. Because in the real world, asking is not getting. Seeking is not always finding. And knocking doesn't always open the door. God is not Google or Amazon.com. God is not a search engine that gives us the answer before we finish typing the question. God is not a fulfillment center with guaranteed same-day delivery. At least that's not been my experience. It's important to remember As we read the Gospels, and especially this text, Jesus wasn't making consumers. He was making disciples. Jesus was not making consumers. He was making disciples. And there's a difference. The purpose of prayer is not in the getting. Now listen to this. The purpose of prayer is not in the getting, but it's in the asking. It's not in the finding, but in the seeking. It's not in the opening of the door, but in the knocking on the door. C.S. Lewis put it this way, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. Prayer, he says, does not change God. It changes me. The need flows out of me. In other words, prayer doesn't fill up our emptiness. God comes looking for us in our emptiness. Prayer is not longing for stuff. We all long for stuff. But prayer is not longing for stuff. It is longing for God. It is not finding God, but being found by God. And it is not because of us but in spite of us, that prayer is grace. 
God comes looking for us in our prayers, in the asking, in the seeking, in the knocking. We are blindsided by a merciful God. Our hearts are broken and our eyes are opened and we discover, amazingly, that we were never alone. That we were never alone. Prayer is an existential relationship with God, a God who never, ever leaves us alone. That's what prayer is. And all the stuff in the world can't fill up the hole inside us. And it is there in that hole, in that place, that God finds us at our greatest place of need, our greatest place of vulnerability. Prayer is not a transaction. It's a relationship. What is often overlooked in Jesus' words about persistent prayer in Luke 11 is its ultimate goal in verse 13. And that is the experienced presence of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. You read through that whole passage and then it ends with the promise of the Spirit that we are not left alone. What we all long for, every one of us, is to know that we are not alone. What we long for, every one of us, is to know that we are not forgotten, that whatever comes, God is with us, working in all things, through all things, even bad things for something good, as the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 8. Many years ago, John Nilsson stood in this same pulpit, his body racked with pain from inoperable cancer. It was devouring him. He was dying, and he knew it. In those last weeks of his life, and some of you remember because you were here, in those last weeks of his life, each Sunday he preached through the pain. He'd get a shot of morphine just before worship. And I would help him out of his chair in his study. And he'd put his arms around me, barely able to stand, and we would pray together. He would pad his frame with three or four sweaters under his robe so that people in the congregation didn't know how thin he really was. And we prayed every Sunday that John would have the strength just to get through his sermon. I'll never forget a sermon he preached just weeks before he died. The text was the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers. All were healed, but only one, an outsider, an outcast, a Samaritan came back to thank Jesus. He was not only healed, 
but he knew the healer. John told us he had prayed desperately to be healed. He told us that people all over the country were praying for him, but the cancer was killing him. And then he said to us, very honestly, I want to be healed of cancer, but if not, I want you to know that through all this, I have experienced the greatest healing of all. I know the healer. And on his last Christmas Eve in this sanctuary, as we all held candles after singing Silent Night, he said to us, I want you to know that whatever comes, I have the peace that passes understanding. I went looking for John at Swedish Hospital. I quietly knocked on um, his door, the door to his room, and I stepped in. This was just days before he died. And I caught his eye. He was alone. And John was so weak, he could not lift his head off the pillow. He spoke my name. Come here. I walked to his bed and he said, hold my hand. Don't squeeze. Don't talk. Just hold my hand. I took his hand and I stood there at his bedside in silence for a long time. His eyes were closed, but there was just the trace of a smile. And finally, he opened his eyes again and said simply, thank you. He died a couple of days later. In those few moments, John taught me how to be a pastor. He taught me how to be present. He taught me how to die. But more than anything, he taught me that prayer is not a desperate asking, seeking, knocking, but trusting, letting go, not finding God as much as being found by God in the midst of our living and of our dying. This is prayer. How shall we pray, the disciples asked Jesus. Keep it simple, he told them. First, remember the God who loves you, who is with you. Quietly give thanks and praise to his name. Begin with gratitude, he tells them. There you will find God. Then pray that God's love and mercy and justice, God's kingdom, which is already being revealed in you and among you, will be there for all to see. Ask only what you need for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just trust God now, one day at a time. You don't need to plan the rest of your life. 
You don't have to put every piece in place. You just need to trust God now, on this day. Ask for forgiveness for your own stuff and ask for the freedom to forgive others for their stuff. And pray for strength not to get lost in dark places and for a way out when your strength fails. That's it. That's the prayer. Gratitude, hope, trust, forgiveness, and God's protection. We pray, as C.S. Lewis said, because the need flows out of us. And we pray not so much that things will be changed as much as that we ourselves will be changed in the midst of all those things. As you come to pray, acknowledge your need and let your needs flow out of you. And when you are emptied of your needs, <clears throat> gather up all the gratitude you can. Find hope against the odds. Yes. Let go of your need to control the outcome. Yes. Let go and begin to trust again. Forgive and be forgiven because God's mercy is boundless. And look for light in dark places remembering that you are not alone. That is the prayer Jesus taught us. How shall we pray? Jesus showed us. Pastor Eliver Gao has written a beautiful poem around the Lord's Prayer, framed by the Lord's Prayer. I told her I would begin the sermon and she was going to end it. It is a beautiful, beautiful poem. It brings together C.S. Lewis's idea of our need flowing out of us and being changed as we pray. Now, I will read it. Close your eyes. Pray. Our Father in heaven, loving parent, we are all together your kids, coming to you, <clears throat> each of us in our uniqueness and as part of your human family. We are together today with bonds that go beyond the things that divide us and bonds that make us take sides with the unexpected. We love the way that you care for us. Holy is your name. Reveal yourself to us, God. You are fully other to us, but you already know us. And all we are to say and do, we want to know you. Let us see your example and love like you love. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Through your love, O oh God, bring your holy action into the texture of our lives and make systems that benefit all 
Bring us your peace, but not a peace that silences people or smooths over deep wounds, but a peace that allows people to be themselves and all to thrive and be whole. And as you actualize your dream for the world, creating sacred beauty in the mess, help us to be your humble collaborators and help us to answer our own prayers for your kingdom to come through our actions. Give us today our daily bread. We thank you that you are deeply concerned with the practical, ordinary, and mundane, and that you love our embodied selves so much that you became embodied with us. Let us share and not keep for ourselves all that you gift us with, remembering and walking with those who wonder if they will have enough to make it through tomorrow. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Be with us in our brokenness, O God. Welcome us with your forgiving love and show us the ways in which we, too, have contributed to the suffering of our sisters and brothers. Give us hearts that don't just confess, but also voices and hands and feet that make things right. Let us be quick with our magnificent voices to speak truth and to give grace to others, too, for we know that none of us are perfect. Let us relentlessly look for you in other people. And don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The evil around us is often too hard to bear. We see violence done by others and by ourselves, to others and to ourselves. Restore us. We want to be who you made us to be. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. You are our ruler. You can do anything, and you are bigger than anything we can imagine. We entrust ourselves to you in all of our smallness and pain, in all our glory, and with our strong voices. We know that you are God, and we know that we are, each of us, made for this moment now. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.